Can I take my employees with me if I transition to the RA model? That is today's question on the Transition to RA question and answer series. It is episode number 80. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RA model. If you're not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, uh, you can find all of the resources I make available. I include this entire series in video format, audio format. I have articles, I have white papers, all kinds of resources to help you better understand the RA model. Again, transitiontoria.com. Okay, with that, I'm excited to have my first repeat visitor uh, on the series. And so for those of you watching in video format, you can see uh, Rich Chen has once again joined us. Rich, nice to see you again. Thanks so much for having me again, Brad. It's so great to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as I said at the top, uh, the topic we're going to be talking about today is if you were to leave your current firm, and that, that's kind of a broad subject, so that could be a, a wirehouse firm or an independent broker-dealer firm, and so there's some nuances there depending on where you're coming from, can you take your employees, your team members with you on your new path, onto your new practice? So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, here today with Rich. Uh, I will ask him, for those of you that don't yet know him, to give him a little background in a moment, uh, but I did just want to kind of set the tone of of what we're looking to dive into today. Uh, again, if you were to make that move, could you take those employees with you? Uh, and I will preface it, and I'm sure Rich will as well, out of out of fairness. Uh, he is an attorney, so we are going to be talking some, some legal uh, kind of uh, angles to this. However, as with all legal situations, the devil is in the details. So we're going to be talking a, a very high level on this topic. But because every individual advisor and team situation is unique, uh, none of this should be construed as formal legal advice. You would, of course, need to follow up with Rich for a one-on-one -on -one conversation about your specific circumstances. Um, but I do think, as does Rich, that it's valuable that we put out this, this content, even at a high level, so you can generally know how this sort of thing works. Um, but again, not specific legal advice that would require a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, but with that, before we jump into the questions, Rich, for those that don't know you, if you could give a little background on yourself, that would be great. Absolutely, Brad. Um, so again, uh, I'm Rich Chen. I run my own law firm practice, uh, Richard L. Chen, PLLC, and we focus on providing advice um, on regulatory corporate employment matters for investment advisory firms and those transitioning uh, to uh, advisory firms as well. So uh, in the corporate area, we help folks launch their own RIA. We help folks with, you know, mergers and uh, acquisitions, as well as uh, fund formation and employment issues, uh, you know, drafting agreements and commercial agreements as well. On the regulatory side, we help folks with advisor registration with the SEC and states, as well as development and if they want management of their compliance programs, as well as representation uh, in SEC examinations. And we also conduct mock audits for those who want that. Yeah, quite quite the wide variety. Uh, for those that don't follow Rich on LinkedIn, you should. He puts out a, a lot of great content. It's easy for him to have just said that list of things and say he does it. But if you see his content, you will absolutely know he's a, a wealth of knowledge on a lot of areas of, uh, as he just described. And so I encourage you to find him on LinkedIn and, and follow along. 
Um, and speaking of a wealth of knowledge, the prior episode, I should have mentioned, he's the uh, the first repeat visitor I've had on the series. Uh, the prior episode he did with me was episode number 52, for those that want to go and take a look at it. And we discussed how to structure the legal ownership of an RIA. A uh, lot of great information there as well. So again, episode number 52, if you want to check that out. Uh, and I've progressed a little. This is now episode number 80. So uh Glad to glad to have you back again, Rich, and uh, look forward to diving right in. Um, so, kind of at a high level, and this first question is just just to kind of level set here. So, again, we're talking about the issue of can I take those employees with me? However, just just to level set for folks that have not dove into any of these kind of legal considerations that are relevant, can you give a, a high level of just some of the different topics? that advisors should be aware of if they're looking to move, particularly out of maybe a more captive environment into the independent space. So obviously one of those is the this employee situation, but just maybe you could list off a couple. Um, I've done some episodes on on some of these topics, but I think it'll, it'll help if you could just kind of level set that this the, the types of things advisors should be thinking about. Absolutely. So so there are three general buckets of things to think about when, when you're uh, thinking of making a transition. The first one is, uh, with respect to, you know, what clients can I take with me? You know, can I compete with my uh, current firm? And that is something that can oftentimes be seen in the agreements uh, that uh, a, 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 an advisor has with their employer. Um, but, you know, there are a, a number of situations where you can take that information if your firm is part of uh, the broker protocol and the firm you're leaving to has uh, joined the protocol as well. Uh, as long as certain conditions are met. But that's a, that's a broader topic, which uh, Brad has covered in previous uh, episodes. And then there's the confidentiality issue relating to uh, private non-public information of customers. And uh, there are various um, rules uh, around that and making sure to protect that information. Uh, an advisor has to be very careful about what information they uh, they take over and whether they have consent with respect to that information. And then the third bucket uh, to think about is the duty of loyalty, right? Which is basically an advisor while employed with their current firm has a duty of loyalty to act in the interests of, of the advisor. And this may um, create certain situations where uh, the transition has to take place uh, in a certain way to make sure that uh, the advisor's not competing with their current firm, you know, while they're currently planning their transition. And that's why it's important to have uh, an advisor that you can, in counsel, that you can look to, to help you to uh, choreograph the transition so that you don't violate uh, the uh, restrictions and obligations that you have that we just cited. Yeah, and I think the, I think what that kind of sums up is that, just to be aware, again, if you're 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 following along here, but that there are these factors that need to be considered, and and I often say navigated. There's a is a proper way you need to navigate them, and 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 thousands of advisors have made this move prior, so um, I, I don't want to say it's a walk in the park. Uh, it's it's not. However, it it is generally doable, but you do need. To, to solve essentially or navigate each of these variables. And so that's why it is a wonderful thing that the specialty attorneys like Rich that that this is this is what they focus on. And, and so it just as as a listener here, be aware that there's there's multiple things to, to consider. 
Again, we're going to talk about just one of those on today's episode, which is this employee uh, team member situation. So kind of extending that and to also really define what we're going to be talking about, uh, we're, we're referring to on this episode, I guess what I would call team members. So think of that as, you know, maybe an administrative assistant, a, uh, a maybe a, maybe you call it a junior analyst, a sales assistant. So we're not on this episode talking about producing financial advisors, which is kind of a whole topic unto itself. Um, this is more almost administrative type and or operational type. That's kind of a broad definition I'm trying to capture there. But Rich, any other any other thoughts on uh, the kinds of positions that this would be relevant to? Again, that don't fall into that non or that don't fall into that producing advisor bucket. Yeah, I, there, I mean, the titles can be different from firm to firm, but basically folks who are providing support, administrative or sales support or junior brokers, right, that uh, sort of work under uh, the, the advisor in general. I think that's what we're basically talking about here. Yep. Yep. And and, and that's often critical, right, to an advisor, a team that's leaving. They, they have these team members that are a critical part of the team. That, that will be a critical part of a successful transition. So it's so very relevant to say, hey, how can I navigate again that path to have them still come with me? So uh, it, maybe we start with the low-hanging fruit. Uh, the, generally speaking, it is possible, that's what we're talking about this episode, to take team members with you. Again, we're going to get into some of the details. So generally speaking, it's possible. But is there any low-hanging fruit? Are there any scenarios where it's just an absolute hard no it's not going to happen because of variable X. Is, does that exist or is there generally always some conversation to be had? When we're talking about employees at this level, it's generally going to be okay. I don't know if there's a hard no. You Again, every situation has to be evaluated differently with respect to you know what uh, agreements that the advisor has in place and things like that. But it's much more of an issue when you get to producers and there are issues with respect to rating, which, you know, is a topic for another day. The, essentially, the, the more that uh, the employee is, is valuable to the, the firm uh, it, by way of either special skills or access to certain trade secret information, or most importantly, if the if that employee is likely to cause clients to leave, right? Those are the situations that are much more likely to raise an issue for the firm and to prompt them to take an action uh, against uh, an advisor that is looking to take that employee to go with them. Yep. Yeah. So no, and maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. There's no maybe hard no's, but of okay. So of the yeses, uh, so my next question is kind of kind of broad. And then I got a, a bunch of follow-up questions, some of which you, you might answer here in this one. We'll, we'll see. So of the, the more yes scenarios, what are some of the main keys that an advisor or team need to be aware of to consider? So I'll, I'll give an example. If there's a team and let's say there's there's two team members, or there's an advisor and a group. And let's say there's two team members they want to bring along for simplicity. They kind of come to you. Again, the devil's in the details, but at a high level, what are things that advisor group need to be thinking about to bring those those uh, kind of non-producing advisors or sorry team members with them. Yeah, good good question. So the first thing is to make sure uh, to look at uh, an advisor's agreements, right? Because there are still agreements out there where the advisor is restricted from taking employees, and so they're called non-solicitation of employee covenants, right? And those can be in agreements. So it's important 
to have those evaluated upfront to determine whether they're enforceable, whether they're reasonable, right? Basically, they have to protect a, a, a legitimate uh, business interest of the firm uh, and to evaluate that in light of uh, making a determination as to uh, whether or not those those particular restrictions are enforceable. Um, again, you know the 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 more junior the employee and the and the less likely that clients will leave with them. In general, the firms are more likely to allow those employees to go with an advisor, right? Again, but you know every situation is different. The other thing to think about, which is very important, is that oftentimes it can be very very important to determine when you tell folks, uh, even if you've decided that you want to bring them along, when to go. Because we see situations where uh, that information is disclosed and it leads to uh, those employees finding out or talking to other people where the firm may find out and ultimately uh, expedite the transition because they are suspicious that the advisor is going to leave and naturally want to circle the wagons to make sure that they protect those clients, right? So it's important to think about timing as well. When even if you determine that you can, uh, that you are willing to sort of um, move or uh, try to bring along uh, employees with you. Yeah, and that I, I've seen the horror stories. I'm sure you have as well. Where um, unfortunately that doesn't go well, right? They the, mm. The plans are disclosed to uh, key employees or maybe all employees ahead of time with with good intentions. And either you have, unfortunately, a member of the team that does not have good intentions could could be one scenario. Or unfortunately, because that transition kind of lead up process is generally months in the making, even with good intentions, that's one more person that could potentially slip and, and make a reference to a home office uh, person or a client where it might not be appropriate to have that conversation yet. Uh, and and that, that could create issues as well. So uh, I'm with you on that. Although is generally speaking, it's, it's hard to necessarily not talk to any team members. That would be the safest route. Mm. Is it, what, what are your thoughts? If, you know, if someone's got a team of three, four, five, I mean, is it wise to, maybe try to talk to one or two key folks, or do you generally say, hey, the, the, the least risk obviously is is no conversations at all? I mean, how do you normally advise on that? I think it really does depend on the situation uh, and depends on how much... Uh, you, the, the earlier you notify employees, the, the, the greater the risk, right? But at the same time, there is a certain amount of assistance that you realize that you need as an advisor to make the transition happen, right? So, uh, and so it may be important to disclose uh, that your plans to those folks. Um, you know, there are attorneys out there who will say basically, and it is true, the safest thing is not to tell your employees until uh, you depart. Uh, that is the legally safest thing to do, but it may or may not necessarily be practical. And there, you know, uh, and it's and it may be worth uh, sort of bearing some level of risk, right, to to tell folks in advance. Um, and so each situation is different, but I think those are the those are the big factors, right? The, the closer to the break date that you can tell employees, the better, right? But then you also have to bear in mind that those folks may have to be involved in the transition process. 
Yeah, and, and often are. And, and I, I guess we should clarify, and I, I'm kind of thinking in my head, I, I think, as are you, that we're, we're, we're kind of thinking almost that that wirehouse uh, scenario, that captive scenario. If if someone's at a uh, an independent broker dealer and these are their own employees, I, I assume there's not necessarily any issues with, with having the conversations then, or does that maybe not make a big difference? Well, how, how do you separate those two? I think it it really depends. I mean, if if they're the uh, advisor's own employees, it, it seems like there's less likely to be a risk. But naturally, the more interaction you have uh, with folks outside of uh, you know the advisor's um, uh, you know orbit, you know that it, it can create more risk. But um, but generally speaking, uh, th- those types of employees seem to me to present less risk in general. Yeah, although the the risk is always there of of accidentally divulging the plans, and and what I yeah. always tell folks, I have a, a fair number of folks at independent broker dealer firms that are reaching out to me to to learn about the RA model, and and uh, you know they they sometimes use a work email address, which I which I write mm-hmm. never ever use a work email address, and I yeah. I point that out to them, and they say, well, I'm independent, and and I say yes, that you are independent in in theory. You, you can leave your firm, uh, and if even if they were to find out, that shouldn't be an issue. But I always say there's no need to unnecessarily poke the bear and potentially create challenges where there doesn't need to be challenges. So even in that independent space, to your point, there's there's still risk that as as you explain it to your employees, and then maybe it's easier or, or less risky to do in that independent current independent model. Uh, Again, that's one more voice that could inadvertently share the news with with folks that are you're not ready to share that news with yet. So, uh, good good kind of thought there. Uh, for the folks that, uh, from a logistical standpoint, let's say again, I've con- I'm an advisor. I've concluded. I am going to explain this to some of my my team members ahead of time for for the different reasons we just discussed. How logistically does that work? So on the on the day that I, as the advisor, go to resign from the firm. Do is it typical that the employees would resign five minutes yes. later, kind of thing, or do do they wait, or how does that logistically typically work? Well, oftentimes they'll resign at the same time, or the res- resignations can be submitted at the same time. You know, again, every situation is different, but oftentimes they they just basically happen at the same time. And and if they if they're not told ahead of time, so now let's let the pendulum swing. It, it's maybe not appropriate, or other circumstances. In but the but the advisor does want to hopefully bring certain employees with them, but they've concluded again for different factors that that they have not divulged it. So they resign themselves. It, it, can they once once the advisor has resigned? Can they immediately reach out to the employee? And again, uh, there's potentially these, and maybe you could comment on it, do these solicitation potential challenges outlast the advisor's own employment at the firm? Um, but obviously there's got to be a balance because if the advisor just leaves, they want a team member to come, they can't just leave the team member hanging. So can they literally try to contact them right away? Or, or typically how does that work when the employee's not told ahead of time? Well, I think that at that point, the advisors, I mean, can at least notify uh, employees that they're they're leaving right now. The issue of soliciting can be different and you have to look at the again, those restrictions and whether or not you're you know, sort of comfortable with them. But basically, you can you can let the uh, employees know that you are uh, determining to transition to another firm. Uh, and, and and generally speaking, that should not violate the uh, the the restrictions on 
uh, solicitation of employees itself, right? So um, I think once you once you transition, generally you should be able to do that. Okay. Yeah. And does it make any difference? Um, you mentioned earlier the the topic of of Raiden, which kind of uh, we could probably make a whole episode, maybe maybe will at some point here make a whole episode on on where Raiden comes in, mm. but. Uh, at a high level, does it? Is there any concerns of how many employees you might take? And that's that's probably a loaded question because a lot of variables involved. But if if I have if I'm an advisor and I have one employee, uh, I you know that's a different scenario than than if I'm a larger advisor group and and we have five, six, seven employees. Is there is there any kind of limit to how many team members you you should? arguably try to take and and again that's a loaded question that's going to be tough to answer but any any thoughts at a high level yeah so there's no hard number but generally the more of an impact that the folks you're taking with you will have on the current firm and again that's mostly folks you know that have special skills that are hard to replace or who have you know employee relation uh client relationships that are likely to leave that's more likely to trigger a claim uh, that you uh, that you are you know rating the current firm right and you know we, we can get into it another time but rating is not itself a specific legal claim but it 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 oftentimes you know is born out of tortious interference or interference with the current firm's uh, business or uncom- you know uh, uh, unfair competition practices right so but but by and large the 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 more employees you take uh, it's not. It can be, I guess, to some level, the, the number, but it really, I think, is more focused on what the impact is to the, the current firm. What what roles those folks were playing, yeah. And and okay. most importantly, probably for the firm, how you know, sort of how many clients are likely to go once those employees go to. Yeah, and, and so here's a uh, to to a degree, this is you taking maybe your legal hat off and just the hat of of business owner yourself, mm-hmm. but but also having had a lot of conversations with advisors about this topic. Any again, this is maybe not a legal question. Thoughts on advisors that strategically want to take some employees, and maybe they're using this as an opportunity to to not take other employees, and maybe those were employees that were assigned to them that they choose not to take. Um, so there could be some awkwardness in that. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe even some legal considerations and want to be careful about how things are messaged. So again, maybe not a legal question, but any, any thoughts on, let's say you have five members on the team and, and you you want to bring three within and two you don't. Yeah, I, I don't think that uh, it's so much of a legal issue. I think the bigger issue, it, you, I mean, you can, you can decide, you know, decide you want to take certain employees or not. Generally, employment is is something called at will, right? So basically, you can decide to hire and fire, you know, employees or not take them with you uh, when you want. Um, but you may have to manage uh, some of the issues with potentially uh, backlash, right? And you have to think about that if you are leaving certain employees behind, that may create resentment. And potentially the opportunity for those employees to report back to the firms things that they uncover if you haven't, you know, necessarily uh, planned well or things that could create a potential claim that that, you know, firm may become aware of because you have a, a dissatisfied employee who isn't brought along to the new new firm. Yeah, and, and uh, ho- hopefully those are 
few and far between, but I could certainly see where that that can create challenges. We, we won't name the firm, but there's a firm well known for uh, having one advisor and one sales assistant in the office, and the sales assistants typically hired by the firm and kind of placed in the office. And 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 if that relationship is not well between the advisor and, and sales assistant, yeah, there there can be those scenarios where. Uh, uh, we'll just say you're not you're not all playing on the same team at all times. So so certainly some tricky situations that that thankfully don't impact most advisors or groups, but but it it can be relevant. So just uh, appreciate your uh, your thoughts on a tough tough question there. Um, sure. Nearing uh, the bottom of my list here. Uh, so some advisors, uh, and again, in my world, it's all folks kind of head into the RA space. Um, some advisors leave wherever they're at to start their own RA. Others, and there's uh, a number of compelling value propositions out there where advisors uh, join existing RAs instead. How does what we're talking about here in, in any you know more specific one-on-one advice you would give, does does it make a difference between those two scenarios? Does it change the advice or, or is it relatively the same? It doesn't necessarily change the advice, but there may be certain things that you can look to. If you're going to another firm and you want some level of comfort or protection, you may, as part of your negotiation as an advisor to join that new practice, say, hey, I need some cover in the event that I want to take these employees. Are you willing to bear... Uh, some or all of the legal costs, right? If somehow the old firm comes after me. Um, so you might be able to negotiate that if you're joining a new firm. Uh, and so that that may be one of the things that you can benefit from if you're doing that. Okay. And that will depend, of course, on the structure of the firm you might be joining, whether they're a traditional W-2 firm or a 1099 firm, there'll, there'll probably right. be different answers to that question, but uh, <laughs> it could could be relevant indeed. Um, and then the, the kind of last question before I wanted to get in some kind of, uh, things I always like asking about that to help people if they want to reach out to you, so besides just contact information, you'll, you'll see here, but, um, at a high level, and, and maybe this is, um, a topic for a whole different episode, but just, just to kind of plant the seed of another thing advisors should maybe be thinking of is if, if they do all these things we've talked about and they bring team members with them, uh, oftentimes, this would be the first time an advisor themselves will now be responsible for having their own employees. They, they, they previously, if they were a large brokerage firm, I mean, they we could use the verbiage that oh, that that administrative assistant or sales assistant, quote unquote, your employee, but but technically they're employee of the, the large brokerage firm. Now, in this in this possible future state, particularly if the, the advisor has their own RIA. Their employee is literally an employee of their their firm now, and so again, this is maybe a topic for a different episode. But just to plant the seed, is it typical that at that new firm, among all the different things you might set up for that new employee, obviously payroll benefits, things like that, that that you would also want to have an employment agreement put in place with your new firm and these team members that come with you? I, I assume that's pretty typical, but but thoughts to maybe plant a seed for a future topic we could discuss as well? 100%. So, and thinking about employment issues, you know, while not typically sort of on the forefront of what most transitioning advisors think about is still important, right? Um, whether you hire someone as an employee or an independent contractor, and that's a, that could be a whole topic in and of itself, um, you want to have an agreement memorializing 
uh, the terms of those agreements, including whether or not you as an advisor, you know, launching your own firm, want to impose restrictions on those folks uh, taking clients or taking employees with them, right? So it's important to memorialize those relations and employment agreements. But it's also important uh, to think about the employment laws that will impact your practice, right? So, you know, while there are, you know, securities laws that impact your, your advisory practice, there are also employment laws. And it's important to be aware of those. In certain situations, you may want to have an employment handbook that lays out what employees are expected to do and to refrain from doing. So we help folks to put together employment agreements you know, where that makes sense as well. So, yeah, so this is a very uh, important topic that uh, should not be ignored uh, when looking to launch your own firm. And so to, to kind of set, uh, as uh, I was, we're going to finish uh, with with asking for your contact information for people that want to talk to you about it. I, I do like setting for my audience to try to help them just kind of know what to expect. So if, if an advisor were to call you up reach out to your team, reach out to your office, whether they want to talk about today's topic or some of these other variables we've, we've kind of touched on briefly. How does, how does a consultation typically go? I mean, does that start with just a, a kind of a introductory call with you or someone on the team and you, you kind of determine whether you're a fit for each other and then you engage and, and then take next steps or just to kind of set the tone, what, what happens if an advisor or group reach out to you or your practice to kind of dive into these topics? Great question, Brad. Uh, so folks are welcome to reach out to me anytime. I tell folks that I am happy to have a conversation whether or not folks retain us. Ultimately, you know, uh, I enjoy uh, providing helpful guidance and naturally we can only provide legal advice once we're engaged, but I'm happy to think through uh, and, and talk with advisors, especially because this can be a very scary process, right? And there are a lot of legal issues to think through, but we try to help break it down for folks so that it's a bit easier to understand. And as Brad said, you know, folks do this all the time and in vast majority of situations, there are no problems as long as a well choreographed path is followed. Um, but basically, you know, once folks reach out to us, we have an I have an intro call with them, and it's and it's and it's me that does that, and we just sort of talk through uh, the the advisor situation, their goals, and then uh, you know sort of help them to chart a course um, for their transition, and if they decide. Um, you know, typically we can't get into too many details uh, before we have an engagement letter. But once we have an engagement letter, you know, we basically will help the folks uh, that uh, that want to engage us to to chart a course. You know, looking at their employment agreements uh, and their ex other sort of policies that they have at their current firm, uh, and then evaluating the laws that are applicable to you know sort of their specific transition. And then you know, if they're launching a firm, to help them to go through the steps of you know forming an entity and. Uh, and and uh, drafting commercial agreements, client agreements, employment agreements, as we talked about, uh, and just basically help them to to navigate that process um, as uh, as much as we can. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of your value proposition is that you also I hope that uh, know what they don't know or ask the questions they don't know to right. ask. Well, they might come to you with a specific question or or, or a couple questions. And you can you can help them with that. It's also oh, by the way, have you also thought through X, Y, and Z? And 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 so there's a lot of value in that because that is that is kind of part of what makes this a scary process. And and that's right. a lot of what I do for advisors too is say, okay, it's, it doesn't have to be a scary process. The reason it's scary is because 
There's a lot of unknowns. So you need to lean on people that will help you become aware of what you don't currently know to be asking in the first place, and then how to solve for those things as you kind of work through the process. So uh, yeah. I know Rich is fantastic at that. I've known him a couple of years now. Uh, wonderful, wonderful resource. So for advisors or teams that want to reach out and, and ask about today's topic or kind of any of these other things, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, they can uh, go to, uh, to my website, which is www.richardlchen, my first name, middle initial, chen.com. Or you can email me anytime. Uh, my email address is rich at richardlchen.com. Always happy to be a, a resource. And as Brad said, you know, I, I look at our role as basically being a guide. You know, if you're going to climb, uh, not, not that this is like Everest, but if you want a guide, Right. Basically to help you chart the course. Right. And to think through the things that, that you may not necessarily be aware of. That's what we do here. Yeah. And, and I will include that uh, contact information in the show notes. So a uh, reminder, this is episode number 80. Uh, I will have the uh, in, in the show notes and you can also head uh, which would be in podcast notes, the video notes, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, or if you head to, again, transition to RIA.com, you can find the, the entire video series. Just look for episode number 80, and you'll be able to find that contact information. Uh, so, Rich, with that, uh, as was the first case, again, folks, go check out, if you liked what you heard here, episode number 52. Rich did a wonderful job there as well, talking about how to structure the ownership of an RA. A lot of great information there as well. Uh, so it's always it's always great to have you on, Rich. You might you might at some point be my first third time visitor. So if that <laughs> happens, I'll I'll thank you in advance. But uh, thank you for coming on today. That would be great, Brad. As always, great joining you. And thanks for uh, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks now.